to say that your entire world changes in an instant is is not an exaggeration. Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I am your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for not parent expected or non-paternal event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. And welcome to episode 101. And today I am speaking with Meredith. Hi, Meredith. Hi, Lily. How are you? I'm good. I should note that we are going to be calling your story Meredith K's story just to differentiate you from, we had a season one Meredith as well. And second Meredith. I'm second, second Meredith. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you for being willing to share your story today. Oh, thank you. I, I, I was searching for somewhere to share my story. Um, and I was so excited when I found you and I was able to reach out. Well, Everyone appreciates it so much. I get loads of emails uh, from people that really identify and get so much out of listening to people going through something similar to them. And I I say this all the time, but I, I don't know your background. I don't know your story. So I'm also going to be just listening to this authentically live today. So if you could first start at the beginning and give me some background on kind of like what your family was like growing up and then take it from there and how you found out you were an NPE. Sure. Um, so I, I come from a, you know, a traditional nuclear family, a mother, father, a brother, myself, two children, suburban household. From the outside, everything looked perfectly normal. Um, from the inside, it was crazy. It was chaos. My my brother was a couple of years older than I was and very high energy, always in trouble. Um, became a, you know, by drug addict, uh, multiple addictions as an adult, a felon. I had rough relationship with my parents. Their attention was mostly focused on my brother and his issues. Um, and I actually had such a rough relationship with my parents my entire life. I stopped talking to them as an adult for, you know, just to kind of save myself from the sanity, the insanity of my family. And my mother actually died. And I, I got a phone call to come to New York that she was in the hospital and she passed away. And I had to you know, take control of my father, who at this point had dementia and really couldn't take care of himself. And I collected him from New York and took him to Connecticut with me. And actually at his funeral, at my mother's funeral, I'm sorry, some of my father's relatives at lunch 
suggested, hey, you know, have you have you guys ever done a DNA test? And I said, you know, that's something we've never done. I'm not I'm not really interested in that. And they were saying, you know, it's so interesting. You really have to do it. You can find out all about food allergies and milk allergies. And I said, I'm not really interested, but thank you. That's great. And we moved on. Um, but we went home and my daughter and my father convinced me. I bought the tests and my father and I each did a test and my daughter did a test. She sent hers in about two weeks earlier than we did. And when she got the results, she was a little bit taken aback because I grew up thinking that I was Jewish. My mother was Jewish. My father was Jewish. We weren't practicing, but we were a Jewish family. Um, my daughter's results came back and she came back something like 20% Jewish. And I thought that was a little bit odd coming from a father who's, who's not Jewish, but a mother who's Jewish, she should have 50% parentage mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of weeks later, I was so excited. I got an email first thing in the morning that my results were in and I excitedly clicked that link and I logged in and I saw my daughter match daughter. And then I saw a whole bunch of names that I didn't know. Not a one. Complete shock. I thought, oh, all right, well, you know, my father's stuff isn't in yet. Let me, let me click on my DNA history. And I clicked over to my DNA history and it showed 51% Jewish and it showed Italian and Irish and English and French. And I thought, well, that's, that's bizarre. That is absolutely bizarre. There's been no mention of anybody from any of those areas. And interestingly enough, a couple of hours later, my father's results came in and I clicked on his and I entered in his username and password. And his results popped up, but my daughter and I were not a match to him. And that's how I found out that my father was not my father. And to say that your entire world changes in an instant is, is not an exaggeration. Um, it was in a way a confirmation. I never felt as if I belonged when I was growing up. I struggled. I, I wanted affection, attention um, from my parents, but it was constantly given to my brother who we later found out as adults was adopted, but was never told. Oh, wow. Yeah. So now in the meantime, it's six o'clock in the morning. My father is sleeping in um, my spare bedroom and we do not have a good relationship. And we had been fighting and he shuffles out into my kitchen. And I said, dad, our DNA doesn't match. And he looked at me. And he said, is there breakfast? 
And that was kind of it. Um, <laughs> for a couple of months. Um, what? Yeah. And I, uh, in the meantime, dug, dug like crazy. I did research and homework and every spare chance I got if I wasn't at work. It was the weekend because it, I remember it was a Saturday morning. I think I spent hours on the phone that day with a complete stranger in Minnesota, a friend of a friend's, um, who had helped her find her birth family. She was adopted. And I reached out to several people on my ancestry page and got in touch with a, a cousin, a third cousin. My newfound cousin, Jen was her name, was helping me try to narrow down the players in her large Italian family down to who could possibly have known my mother around the time that I was conceived in Yonkers, New York. Um, and it was an interesting journey because she has quite the colorful family. And I, I, again, I have to correct myself. I have a colorful family. It's my family too. Um, it turns out that there is a whole mafia branch, which was kind of exciting to me. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I did a lot of fantasizing and fantasy play as a kid because I was so unhappy. And um, I think my childhood self would have been kind of happy to find, to find that out that I have some relatives in the mafia. And, um, you know, we racked our brains trying to figure out where my mother could have met somebody. Was it in the Bronx when she was teaching? Was it in... Um, you know, when they were living in, in Yonkers, was it when she was a teenager? Was it somebody from her childhood? And then I don't remember the connection. She narrowed it down to two people. And one of them was, um, he had a crazy mafia name. And I, I looked at this person's, and I, I didn't see a resemblance. I think they called him the moose or the bull or something. And then she showed me a picture of another person, Dennis. And I don't know. I looked at the picture and, hmm, and I thought, all right, well, what's the connection? Where did he live? And we tried to piece that together. And she started doing a lot of digging on Facebook, on Instagram, on social media. And she found some cousins that she had never met, um, but she really thought that this was the missing link. And she you know, kind of did some Facebook stalking, sent me the name, and I tried to look, and everything was private. So I reached out to him, and this was, God, it only took about three weeks. It, it really wasn't a long journey. I was quite lucky. It happened very quickly. Um, I reached out to this complete random stranger on Facebook and I sent him uh, a private message and he got back to me and he said, who are you? And it was very, you know, hold off, standoffish, but he was definitely interested. And I typed a little bit more, told him about my cousin, Jen, our mutual cousin, and, and how I found out that I'm not who I thought I was. And he asked if I wouldn't mind calling. Mm 
And it was about 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night. And I called this person, Michael, in Florida. And we talked a little bit. And we conferenced in Jen, our cousin. And he wanted more information and, and more background. And how did you come to this? And how did you determine Dennis? My dad might be your father. And we kind of gave him the background and how we deducted it. Um, and he said that he had always had an underlying feeling that he didn't belong in his family. And he had done an ancestry test and, um, the other 23 and me and he pulled up his sites his account and he asked for our usernames and he did not match to either one of us and he took a minute and he said I'm gonna call my mom and I'll call you back and about 10 minutes went by and he called me back and he said that he called his mother who lived in Florida, very close to him and said that he got a phone call, you know, or somebody reached out to him, a person in New York, in Connecticut, who thought perhaps Dennis was her father and his mother broke down and said that it was something she never wanted to discuss. And it was the late 60s, and times were very different. And there were, they were neighbors. My parents and Dennis's parents, Michael's parents, were neighbors. And my mother got pregnant with me. And his mother also confessed that Dennis was not his father in the same conversation. Mm. so that was really all she wanted to say. Oh my gosh. And I found out that I also have an older brother named Dennis Jr. Who this is, this is just so funny. It blows my mind. I have pictures of Dennis Jr. Playing with my brother, Matthew in a playpen. Um, they were neighbors in a garden apartment complex in Yonkers and Michael had one more conversation with his mother, the only one that I know of that's happened since. And she said that she got into a little bit more detail and explained it was an affair. Uh, it was not partying. It was an affair. And when my mother got pregnant, she asked my father if they could move apartments and never really gave explanation. And Dennis remembers being very small, Dennis Jr., and his mother having a fight with another woman. Um, so the only adults that I thought knew about me was my mother, my father, Dennis, my birth father, and his ex, now ex-wife. Um, they wound up divorcing because of all the secrets I found out, but Dennis Jr. does not want to speak to me. The ex-wife does not want to speak to me. Uh, that generation is very closed off, very secretive. Um, 
I reached out to his second wife, my birth father's second wife, because it turns out my father passed away in 2012. Um, and I heard back from Michael and was told never to contact her again. She had no idea about me. Um, I opened up a huge Pandora's box and not to reach out to his family again. So, um, I was turned away by my birth family, which was very hard to deal with. Um, and, and, and who do you turn to? Nobody, nobody really understands. My friends were all like, well, your father is still your father. He still no. raised you. He's still mm. your dad. I'm like, but, but no, but, but he's not. Like I always knew something wasn't right. Something just didn't feel right. Uh, I had a terrible relationship with both of my parents. Um, I have been in intense therapy for about a year now since I found all of this out in 2019. Um, had a talk with my dad, the man who raised me, um, eventually. He said, you know, we got, we got to talk about this DNA thing. And, and I explained to him who my birth father was and his face mouth dropped and his face turned bright red. He was horrified. He remembered, he remembered him. He said, that was my friend. That was my neighbor. Mm. And he said to me, I have no children. And my stomach just, I felt like I got kicked in the gut. And I said, dad, I said, you have me, you have Matthew, but you're not mine. And it really hit home. Um, it was a turning point for me. So I kind of realized at that point that I had to start taking care of me because there was nobody else with really a vested interest anymore. Mm-hmm. And I searched for a therapist who had some sort of background with NPE. And it turns out I really couldn't find somebody who it was tough, but I found somebody who specialized in childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. And I have done so much healing and forgiveness towards my birth father's family for not being ready to talk to me. And I understand that that's not something they're ready to deal with and they may never be ready, but I, I had to come to peace with this and I had to figure out, you know, Oh my goodness, all these pieces of my childhood, all these things that, that never made sense. Why did my mother treat me different than my brother? Why, you know, why were there always whispers um, and accusations of affairs? So I wonder, did my father suspect? Um, Because I think back now, my father accused my mother often of having an affair. And she would, you know, laugh, ha ha, no, I was working late. But now I wonder, was she working late? And, um, Interestingly enough, those same cousins that reached at my mother's funeral, who 
who convinced me to take a DNA test. They, yeah. they drove up to Connecticut about a month ago. I had reached out to them. I said, hey, my dad's on hospice. You know, I'm not sure how much time he has left. Don't know if you want to come say goodbye. So they made the trip to Connecticut. I made it a point to go out to dinner with them. And I told them my story. And um, they had known. I had called my cousin Mark when I found out. And I said, did you know about this? You know, did you have any idea? What do you know? And he said, nothing, nothing. Your parents were so happy. And, and we just knew your mother could never get pregnant. She could never get pregnant. And then suddenly they adopted Matthew. I said, well, you guys knew Matthew was adopted. And they said, well, we knew because your mother couldn't get pregnant. And I said, well, that's interesting because my mother told us she had many miscarriages. And so things just, you know, I'm sitting at this dinner in the middle of a restaurant thinking to myself, something's going on. Mm. And he said to me, well, you know, I really didn't want to tell you on the phone when you called me and his, his children were there, his adult children. And they said, dad. And I looked at him and I said, what didn't you want to tell me? And he said, I think, I think my mother and my, and aunt Doris knew. And I said, what do you mean they knew? And he said, I remember when you were born, someone saying the baby has Jay's nose. And my mother, Fran, his mother, Francine said, well, Jay had a nose job. And I remember, yes, my father had a nose job and we, we used to joke with him and tease him and say he got his nose fixed and he would say it was a deviated septum. <laughs> but my uncle, Sammy, um, questioned it. And he said, well, if Jay had a nose job, whose nose does the baby have? And apparently there was a fight. Um, and my mother admitted that my father was not my father. But he, he never told me this in 2019 when I asked him and waited until, you know, September 2021 when I'm having dinner with him. And he's telling me, well, my memory's bad. And well, you remembered that. And it just, it, it, it really hurt because again, he said, but Jay's still your dad. And I no. said, you know, I said, but, but what if I said, what if, what if I had the chance? What if I had two dads? What if I had a dad named Dennis that I got to visit that wanted to do things with me and wanted and was interested in my life and was there when my kids were born? Um, and I think I really shocked my cousins, but, you know, I don't think that people really understand how hurtful words are. Mm -hmm. And finding out that you're adopted or finding out that you're not who you thought you are, every fiber of your being changes. You're no longer the person you thought you were. You question everything. Yeah. Um, I don't feel a connection to my name, to my first name. Yes. I don't feel like my maiden name. I don't feel like the married name of the man I'm no longer married to. I don't want to take on a name of somebody who didn't raise me 
mm-hmm. but I don't know who I am. And, and, you know, thankfully I've got a great therapist and friends and, but it never goes away. You always wonder. And, and sometimes I'll be driving and the weirdest thing will happen, maybe a song or a memory. And I'll wonder, well, well, what if things were different? You know, what if, what if I knew him? What if, what if he tried to contact me? And I think I try not to dwell on the what ifs because those, those are hard. Mm -hmm. Those are the hardest things um, to deal with the what ifs, the questions. What if I had a great dad? Um, And I didn't. And, and that, that hurts. That's really hard. And I'll never get a chance to know him. Um, and maybe he wasn't a wonderful father to the two kids that he did raise, but I'll always wonder. Um, and I know that he did spend time with them. I mean, they've, you know, Michael, Michael has told me and that that's hard, but I also think I'm lucky I found out who he was in that aspect. I'm not still searching. I've seen pictures. Um, I've seen a lot of pictures. I have baby pictures. Uh, I look like him. I look just like him. I know where I got my freckles. I know why I was born with red hair. Um, I'm Irish. I I think, you know, I had no idea I was Irish Mm. and Italian. Um, I bought a St. Patrick's Day t-shirt. I, um, I, my kids laugh. They're like, mom, the only thing you can cook well is Italian food. And I wonder, well, maybe that's why, maybe Mm -hmm. because it's in the blood. And I finally feel a connection to something. So I try to look at the positive. Um, I never felt a connection to Judaism. I never felt a call to that religion. And I don't necessarily feel a call to a religion, but I feel a call to visiting Scotland and visiting Ireland and checking out where my, you know, ancestors are from and, and places in Italy. Um, I've met my cousin, Jen, I've met her brother, John, I met her son, I was invited to a family reunion in Long Island pre-COVID. I wasn't up to going. Um, It was all brand new and it was very scary. And I thought, oh, maybe next year. And then COVID hit Mm -hmm. and there hasn't been a next year yet. But um, part of me is curious, you know, what, who else is out there? Um, But it's interesting. There's very little information on my father's parents. Um, My paternal grandfather was in prison and apparently died in prison. Um, He was in the mafia and he wouldn't rat on his family. After he passed away, I believe my grandmother remarried and didn't have any other children. Um, And from what I heard, my birth father didn't stay in touch with any of his family, his father's side of the family. Um, 
didn't want to associate with them, thought they were all dangerous and bad. So I guess that's part of the family I'll never get to know. Um, And it's interesting, nobody else from my mother's side has reached out to me from the site. I don't know. None of those people have ever reached out via ancestry or email or any other way. I don't know who any of them are. Um, But I was very glad to get at least one warm welcome or several warm welcomes from cousins and, and their mother my grandfather's first cousin, Gloria, um, who was able to, to, you know, put names to really old pictures and explain who some of these people are. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's, it's funny to see the resemblance and I'm, I love it. I'm proud of it. I see myself in my mother, but I also see now myself in somebody else. And that's kind of fun. And I, I feel like I belong. Meredith, it seems ironic that Michael, who you thought, I guess, I kind of would have called him your half brother. Yes. He he was raised with what should have been your history by your birth father, Dennis. He was raised and he's an MPE too. Yes. And it's like you guys, isn't that so strange? He was raised by your birth father and you weren't. And I wasn't. And he will send me an email periodically just to say hello. Mm. How am I doing? But he won't delve deeper. No, he's because he also found out he wasn't that Dennis isn't his father. Right. Right. And he's struggling in his own way. And oh, I yeah. And I don't mean to bring the sexes into this. And I, you know, a lot of people can come after me, but I think a lot of times men process things Mm -hmm. or even just different Mm -hmm. people process things very differently. Yeah. Um, And and I had to, I had to just confront it all face on or I was going to crumble. Can I ask what kind of therapy, you know, they have different modalities and techniques. I know people will be interested. Do you know what yours is called? Um, I don't know what it's called, but I know that my therapist is based on childhood trauma. She, she specializes in childhood trauma and, um, I, I, I don't know exactly. I'm happy if anybody reaches out. Um, if they have any questions, I'm happy to find out more about it. But I know one of the most important things that she, the first thing she said to me when I spoke to her is what brings you joy in your life? And, and I was at the point where I, I couldn't think of one thing. And I know that a big thing um, for me is keywords, mindfulness. I started looking for joy. I started looking for joy in little things, mindfulness, what made me happy. And I focused on that. And I gave myself permission to say no to people who were toxic, Mm -hmm. um, which was huge for me. I'm taking care of my father. He's now an assisted living facility, but checking in with my therapist, she can say to me, Hey, accept the love your father's willing to give but then walk away. So it's a lot of healing. It's focusing on finding the good 
processing what you're feeling and then moving on, moving on to the next emotion, focusing on what you can control. So I'm building my own little healing bridge and um, I'm a paper person. I like notes. I have a notebook. Um, I write, you know, she's given me permission slips. I like to have paper reminders. She sent me permission slips. Here's a permission slip to be lazy on a Saturday because you were, you know, too upset to do anything else. A, a lot of people beat themselves up. What if? I could have. I should. Um, I think a lot of NPEs, a lot of people with childhood trauma, maybe abusive relationships, we have a lot of guilt. Yeah, we carry a lot of guilt. We should do this. You know, we have to make people happy. But, you know, I'm learning it's okay not to. I, I've got to take care of me. And it's okay if people don't like that. And that's so huge and so important. Um, such a learning experience for somebody to say, somebody else to say, take care of you. It's okay. You don't have to be a punching bag. You don't have to to put up with what you're putting up with. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, it's, I find myself preaching sometimes, but I, I really have, I feel so empowered and I found my joy again. And as kooky as it is, I'll write it down. And in, and if I'm having a bad day, I grab my notebook and um, I was dancing around my kitchen to the Grease soundtrack the other day. It brought me back to my seven-year-old self and I was so happy. And um, it's just the little things, a song. You know, uh, get yourself a good humor ice pop. What whatever makes you happy, just little things. Find that joy, and and move on from the bad stuff. Allow yourself to feel it and process it, but then move on. I totally want to put on the grease soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> That's what a great idea, Meredith. I love that. Thank you, Meredith. If people want to get in touch with you. How could they do that? They can reach out to me via my email. It's my name. It's MeredithCam at gmail.com. Um, I'm happy to share, you know, more of my story, talk, listen. Um, we need a support system. I found a great group on Facebook. Reach out. There's private groups out there. Um, mm -hmm. Reach out to me. I'm happy to talk to people. Mm. Can I ask what your... Um, current Facebook group is that you're most active in? I know there's a few. Yes, it's a private group. It's uh, Ohana Ancestral Healing, I believe. Um, oh. It's uh, it's a great support system. It's just a daily check-in. Sometimes there's more. Sometimes there's less. But oh. it's everybody who's just experiencing the same feels. And mm. we're there for each other. And it's a great it. place. So that's most important. Be there for each other. Thank you for sharing all of this today. I'm going to take some notes and put it in your show notes. And I, I really appreciate you taking the time this afternoon to share everything with me. So thank you, Meredith. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. These stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us.